The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 53 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem despite any reaction that others may have to your solution to the correct problem. We have a new normal episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts, you, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your opinions, your whatever's. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, unscripted cohorts. I can't hear, wait to hear what Margaret has to say. Plus, we have some questions about unconstitutional takings and time willing, a supposed connection between corona and vaccines. Should be good. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help us showcase political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today spans the political and the cultural. He's Val, Dr. Val Finnell, Pennsylvania Director of the Gun Owners of America. This is going to be a good one. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's bad beer. Yep, bad beer. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we typically feature a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. But in these interesting times, we've been asked to minimize our in-studio presence. That means today we again have no narrator. But the good news is that we typically have a second Toastmaster with us, according to another one of our ancient customs, to help read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and join in discussions with our guest. It's a role that we call cohort. And well, we're not minimizing our in-studio presence here so much that I'm all alone, so we still have official sanction from both state and station to bring our cohort into the studio today, all the way from the police state of New Jersey, and she's sitting right across from me now, blue gloves and all, ready to do double duty of cohort and narrator. She's no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. She's a past president of the ETS Toastmasters in Princeton. Let's welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Margaret Sassuni. Yay. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm so, so glad to be here. Just you and me, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> so how's life over in the land of Bruce Springsteen? Oh, quiet. Quiet. But I like it that way. The I birds know. are chirping now when I open the door in the morning when I grab my cup of coffee. It feels nice. No traffic noises. Uh, a little bit. It's like after 9-11, there are no airplanes in the sky. Uh, we went whitewater. A little eerie, yeah. We were at whitewater canoeing up on the up, upper of the Delaware toward Port Jervis. Oh. And it was dead silence. Silence. Oh, it's just great. We put the bird food in the bird feeder, and the birds are all over it. So we've got <laughs> some company in the backyard. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I wrote you a hall pass. In Thank case, you, in, yes. In and case, I took a photo of it and <laughs> took it with me. <laughs> in case the police decide. I hear that uh, your governor has instructed the police, state police, to commandeer all medical equipment. Oh, He's going to take, so. take your blue gloves. I turned off the news 
Smart. <laughs> They're only trying to frighten you. And I, Don't want to hear anything. And I can't wait to, to get into that with some of that with our guest. There's so much going on. Oh, yeah. Well, you've been here. How long has it been since the last time you here? I didn't even look. I feel like it was February because I know I was out in March. I dare. I took a dare and took a trip for my birthday to Las Vegas. So I got that in right before St. Patty's Day. Uh-huh. You know, and the wife and I got in a trip I, to Seattle. Yeah, I got an earful for mine. How about you? No. Yeah, they're like, how dare you take your 72-year-old mother to uh, Las Vegas? <laughs> well, it depends whether or not you believe all the nonsense on the air. I was like, air. Mom, at least if you die, you die. You're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style, girl. Yes. And we did go to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Just epic. Always fun. I got that in. Good to get out and about. My doctor says April 9th is the day it's all over. He's got, oh. he's got the date circled on his calendar. Oh, wow. We'll okay. see. We're and almost you know, there. Some people, are li- some people are listening to this many, many months in the future. Ah, So yes. it'd be interesting to, for them because they, they know the answers in the back of the book. Mm, right. Assuming society survives. Yes, we'll survive. <laughs> we shall see. How many billion people on earth? Eight billion? I don't, I don't know. I'm a Pennsylvania guy. There are 12 million Pennsylvanians. I know that about 8 million oh. Pennsylvania voters. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Let's get on with it. Yeah, let's you, do this. You've been here long enough to know that we have our new ancient custom that I always ask a cohort to bring along a question. Oh, yeah. You want to get that over with? Yeah, because that's okay. always fun. Hum. All right. All right. So, Hum. Mike, as a Toastmaster, should I count that? No. Okay. <laughs> Toastmaster does not apply here. Okay, so with all the viruses coming out of China, uh, you heard of all of them, the swine flu, the MRSA, SARS, everything, they're, they're ready to impose social distancing. You know, the government is ready over there. And Chinese the, government? The Chinese government is ready, and the, the people are ready to uh, lock themselves up. But do you think that um, each state or each country around the world should impose a fire drill? So the next time, I know there's going to be a next time something like this breaks out. Mm-hmm. Yep, Pandem- pandemic type they, of thing. They come from time I to mean, time. I mean, we have fire drills for scenarios of emergencies or active shooters or things like that. Should we have a fire drill for a pandemic? And I guess from an outdoorsy person that you are, should you know people learn how to practice being isolated and being ready and prepared? And so should government help us with that? Well, there's two sides to that question. Number one is you should always be prepared. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. a Boy Scout. I'm going, out on the yeah. App, I'm going out on the Appalachian Trail this weekend. Yes. And my grandkids are going to be there. My daughter's going to be there. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and all of us know how to take care of ourselves out in the woods, mm-hmm. how to build a fire, how to, yeah. how to survive. Although, I don't know, I'm not one of these survivor types. Don't dump me on an island with just my underwear. No. <laughs> but from a personal point of view, you should always be ready for anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You should have... I mean, anybody can tell you the emergency preparedness stuff. You know, Even I, money in the bank, right? People should have money in the bank. Not in the bank. That's <laughs> a bad place for it. No? Under the mattress? You should have it, ac- you should have it accessible. Uh, yeah. One thing that cash. I, have some cash around. No. No? Not, no, no. Not even cash. Oh. But one thing that I've been doing for many, many years is anytime there's a guy I know, a couple guys, oh. anytime there's an estate sale, uh-huh. I always say, get me those little blue coin books. Oh. So I have American pre, no, silver, pre-1964 American coins, dimes, quarters, halves, Mm -hmm. silver dollars. So 
if the government collapses, your paper money is going to be just that. Yeah. Paper. Mm-hmm. But that little mercury dime is still going to be right now. What's that worth? I don't know. 10, 20 bucks mercury mm-hmm. dime. Mm-hmm. That's going to still be usable regardless of the government. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> oh, I'm sure most... <laughs> Diversify. <laughs> I'm, I'm a libertarian, and most libertarians know that. And okay. I'm, I'm sure that most libertarians are ready. Certainly, you should be ready with your personal defense. Yeah. And I never talk about that, mm-hmm. just for the safety of my family. Hmm. Now, you talk about government-wide. Yeah. Well, I think right now they're going through the biggest fire drill. Yeah. Where they're looking at what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Certainly, destroying the economy like America has done is not the path to take. Some states aren't doing that. Mississippi is one. I forget what the other two are. And I just read this morning, Sweden is following my advice that I gave in episode 52. Mm-hmm. I gave my, I pretended I was governor and I gave my orders for for Pennsylvania. Okay. And it was go about and live your life your own way. That's and what they're doing over there. That's what they're doing over there. Mm-hmm. And looking at their death rate, uh, which, by the way, is based per capita, not on reported cases. Per capita is the only standard way you can do it, death per capita. They're right in the middle of the pack. They're not more than Italy. They're not less than Denmark. You know, they're, they're right in the middle of all the, of the 10 European countries that they s- surveyed in this study that I saw. Mm-hmm. They were, they're squarely in the center. Mm-hmm. So they're average. So they got an average number of deaths, even though they're not doing any of that, all this forced nonsense. Mm. So there's the answer to your question. Personally, of course, you should be doing it all the time. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's the takeaway. Always be prepared, right? Yeah. And I know a lot of libertarians who are preppers, what they call it. You know, they got 20 years of MREs in their basement, and they got oh. 10,000 rounds of ammo oh. and, and things like that. <laughs> Defend your family. Yeah. <laughs> Defend the neighborhood, some of them looking at doing. But that's it. So from your, from your own personal point of view, you should do it. And there's still time to do it now. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned before, Liquor stores are still open in Jersey, not in Pennsylvania. I'm going to talk about that later on because that sticks in my craw. Don't everybody come over to New Jersey all at the same time, okay? Well, you know, I was just there yesterday because oh. you can't get whiskey in Pennsylvania. Mm. And I'll talk about that later, too. But I thought it was beautiful. It was real nice to be out there. Yeah. No, nobody on the roads. I didn't see any police either. That's unusual for Jersey. Yeah, I didn't see any police driving over here. No, I saw, well, we'll leave it, we'll leave it, at, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get on. Let's find out what our listenership is asking. All right. Good question. Thank you. Yeah. You ready for Stan for Lycoming County, Pennsylvania? I'm always ready. It's just a question of how ready. (laughs) All right. So, again, this is from Stan Stan, and he is saying that this is kind of interesting, and he provided a link to an article at reason.com. Do you have that (laughs) article? I, I do. Okay. But you know that's that's the shortest question I think we've ever. Gotten. I know. I wasn't <laughs> even sure that was a question when I was looking at it. Well, you know, it's your your comments, your questions, your whatevers. I guess this comes under a whatever. Mm-hmm. But I I did read the article and it is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And the title of the article is quote, "This business is suing the government over the coronavirus closure order." Hmm. And guess where it's going to go from there? Because mm-hmm. the subheadline says quote. These uncompensated seizures violate the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment, unquote. Hmm. So some guy is seeking compensation for the government having shut down his business. I took a look at it, and I'm going to butcher this. It's Schlumerick Bells in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. I hope Hmm. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Schlumerick. Hatfield, is it? (laughs) (laughs) 
But the, it doesn't matter. The particular business is not the issue here. It's the government's ability to shut it down at will without making just compensation. Now, it's a federal suit, and I'm not sure why they challenge it under federal law, because they mentioned the Fifth Amendment specifically. But Article One, Section 10 of our Pennsylvania Constitution would cover it quite nicely, because that says, quote, nor shall private property be taken or applied to public use without authority of law and without just compensation being first made or secured. Well, it certainly has the authority of law. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, but there was no compensation. Seems pretty cut and dried, except for one thing. It'll never work, most likely, my opinion. Because back in episodes 48 and 49, I ranted about all these various legal interpretations that are espoused by that so-called patriot movement. And while most of these opinions are, well, let me be polite. I'll say they're open to interpretation. How's that? Well, having been exposed to them over the last two decades and looking into each one in detail, it's given me a pretty broad understanding of the law. So one of the topics I didn't cover back in episodes 48 and 51 was states of emergency. Now, this is one area where the patriot community and the government generally agree. There are things that the government is legally permitted to do in an emergency, and they're pretty much endless. Some of it has been codified into law, and I took a look at the law. It's 35 CS 7301, and it's very, very frightening stuff. Let me just give you a little bit of the law, because that law, 35 CS 7301, gives the governor the power to do things like, quote, to suspend the provisions of any regulatory statute prescribing the procedures for conduct of Commonwealth business or the orders, rules, or regulations of any Commonwealth agency. So you can override anything there. To commandeer or utilize any private, public, or quasi-public property. You can take your house. To direct and compel the evacuation of all or parts of the population. He could throw you out of your house. Yikes. To prescribe routes, modes of transportation, and destinations in connection with the evacuation. He could send you to a prison camp. You're shaking your head. This is all, this is the law. I'm just quoting the law. To control ingress and egress to and from a disaster area, the movement of all persons within the area, and the occupancy of premises therein. So you can move into your house. I can go on, to suspend or limit the sale, dispensing, or transportation of alcoholic beverages, of firearms, explosives, combustibles. It goes on and on and on. Mm. Scary. Yeah. Real scary. And this is just the law. The governor's actual powers exceed this, although it's hard to imagine how. Mm. All the governor needs to do is show that his order is the least restrictive way to serve some public health or safety purpose. And then you're playing it, everything's wild. It all comes under that amorphous police powers that I spoke about in episodes 9, 14, and 17. Same thing they use to mandate transgender bathrooms. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> it's a catch-all to let the government interfere in your peaceful life with virtually no restrictions. Well, getting back to our Hatfield bellmaker, he's tilting against a very large windmill. States of emergency are declared all the time. In fact, I looked in Wikipedia, 34 of them are still in effect at the national level. 34. Some are obvious, like the corona one, but some are real obscure, like some federal one about taking sides. I'm going to mispronounce this one, too. There's a conflict between Rohingya and Myanmar. Myanmar. Mm -hmm. yeah, I could, that, I could, that, that sounded right. I couldn't even pick them out on a map. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point is the courts have repeatedly denied such suits, just as they've done with all those patriot movement arguments, like I said. And it doesn't matter if you're state of emergency or non-state of emergency. Bottom line is, I wish our bellmaker luck. 
but I'm not sure that bell is going to toll for he. The presidents stacked against him are massive. But you got to admire his spunk. Mm-hmm. Because in my experience, sometimes when you do that kind of stuff, you win. Hmm. Hmm. That was a very long answer for a very short question. I know. <laughs> well, you know, on that David and Goliath note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 53. Hmm. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be meeting with today's guest, the Pennsylvania Director of the Gun Owners of America, Dr. Val Fennell. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do these words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? They're not. They're all the direct quotes from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor of the Pennsylvania Board of Education. And each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania asking them the right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 53 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. 
As I said at the top of the show, today's guest is a mix of the political and the cultural. He's Dr. Val Fennell, President, excuse me, President, <laughs> I can talk, Pennsylvania Director of the Gun Owners of America, a retired Air Force Colonel, physician, pathologist. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Val. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's a real pleasure. Oh, likewise. You're you're one of the people we've been wanting to get on here for a while, but you're what 300 miles away or something like that. So close. Yeah, I'm in Pittsburgh, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little 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 drive to you where you are. It is, and you know our producer is always picky about having our guests in the studio. So this has been a real mm-hmm. disguised blessing for us. All this social nonsense going on. We got another guy next week coming on. He's with WeDoBetter.com, and he's in Texas, but it's, he's got a yeah. great Pennsylvania connection. A little further away than yeah. um, Pittsburgh. So we're, we're taking advantage of this. I mean, this is all good news for us. <laughs> well, should I be calling you doctor? I meant to ask you that before. You yeah, are, you could call me. Yeah, that's fine, or Val, you know. Um, call you it, Colonel? Interesting. I'm also a colonel i mean but anything but late for dinner you know but uh, <laughs> val, is, val is fine uh, i'm also a preventive medicine and public health physician i have a master's in public health so uh that may that may play into our conversation at some point <laughs> I, I would <laughs> but, hope so uh, yeah well let's let's start at the top because you're here representing gun owners of america for those who mm-hmm. which by the way i brought my goa hat with me I, very nice yes it's an old one it's got the old minute man on it so uh who is goa Well, Gun Owners of America is um, the only nationwide no-compromise gun lobby, and that's a quote from Ron Paul. Uh And, uh, you know, GOA has been around since 1975. Uh, We operate in uh, 49 states in the District of Columbia, and people say, wait a minute, there are 50 states. Well, there are 50 states, yes, and we we have an affiliate in California called Gun Owners of California, that takes care of California matters. It's our, kind of our sister organization. Uh, it was started actually by a California senator by the name of H.L. Richardson, who recently passed away. Um, and the difference is uh, we, we practice um, confrontational politics. <clears throat> We're not uh, a, um, a lobby group like some other gun rights organizations might be, where we play mostly inside game, cut deals in the back room, uh, we understand what the Second Amendment means, and also in Pennsylvania, the Article 1, Section 21 of our Constitution, uh, which I think is even more strongly worded than the Second Amendment. Amen. We understand what those, yes, yes, we understand what those things mean, and uh, and we, we hold our politicians, our elected officials, accountable to that standard. And the way we do that is through our membership. We keep our membership informed, and we ask our members to contact their elected officials and tell them what they expect. So our approach is a little bit different. We don't do a lot of the inside game, you know, um, uh, eye shades and cigars and whiskey in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know, we right, right. So we we're uh, we play. It's more external. It's an external uh, confrontational model. We know we're not. We don't try to be rude to people at all or anything like that. But we are. But we are very firm, and we just we we. We, we just say this is this is what we take it at face value this is what article 1 section 21 says this is what the second amendment says and this is how we expect you to behave this is how we expect you to vote as our elected official that is true and you know that GOA has had a, a sterling reputation going back I mean the NRA has you know we'll say compromised on some things and 
I don't think it's necessary to compromise, but you guys, I mean, even from the top. I remember during my race for governor in 2002, that's when I got my GOA hat that I have here with me now. Uh, they, were having uh -huh. an, they were having an ugly gun contest. They would say they wouldn't support any candidate who did not have their picture taken with an ugly gun. Now, I don't know of any, uh -huh. I don't know of any ugly guns. I think they're all kind of pretty. So I right. have, it's still out there. <laughs> it's still out there on my old, old website on the web. There's a picture of me at a shooting range down in Delaware County with my AR with a flash suppressor on it. And my, my daughter, I guess she was, what, 14 at the time. She made that her, her avatar picture. But I did that, and I still didn't get endorsed, but that's all right. <laughs> always, it wasn't because of that. It's always fun being on the shooting range. So anyway, you, you guys have a great reputation. No compromise. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, no, that's thank it. you. You got, <laughs> you got any good examples of that? When, what's, what's a good no compromise that, that came down recently? I'm, I'm thinking... Wow, well, I mean, that's... Well, how, you, we well, could talk about... Go ahead. Well, I was going to suggest, how about the one about uh, that... You, you know, this is something you mentioned to me a couple of days ago, and I heard this from other people, that you can't do open carry during states of emergencies. That was kind of a shock to yeah. me. Right, right. I was going to, I was probably going to talk about that. Um, that is a recent example. Uh, so, and you mentioned this in your first segment. In Pennsylvania state law, there's uh, Title 18, Section 6107, and that basically says uh, you cannot carry a firearm openly or, you know, in a state of emergency or concealed for that matter without a license to carry firearms. Now, that's, that's, that's different. I mean, if there's not a state of emergency, you can carry openly in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is yep. an open carry state, but the rules change. Um, so when you're in a declared state of emergency, you must have that license to carry firearms. Now, the problem that's happened is that uh, because of all the, the, the coronavirus, you know, contagion concerns, the the sheriffs have, in many counties, refused to process the applications. And some of that's related to the judges closing the courthouse. Some have continued processing, but some are saying, hey, look, you know, we don't want to bring our deputies in touch with the, uh, and, and our employees, you know, um, to be, uh, have a lot of exposure with the public. So we, we're going we're gonna to shut down operations <laughs> and license to carry firearms until the state of emergency is over. Well, there's only one problem with that. They don't yeah. have any authority to do yeah. that. I mean, I mean, Pennsylvania is a shall issue state. Yep. And also, and and so, so, so that's one example of, of no compromise because we um, we sent an alert to all of our Pennsylvania members about this to contact their sheriff and to encourage them to either maintain if they hadn't stopped or to resume processing of those concealed uh, carry licenses, which we call in Pennsylvania license to carry firearms. Mm -hmm. um, and we had success. Uh, so oh, we right. have one county that's already backpedaled, uh, Westmoreland County. They even went uh, quoted, in, to quote them in the Trib, in Pittsburgh's Trib Live, they said, we got a lot of blowback. <laughs> and, uh, that, <laughs> that's what you want. And uh, we specialize in blowback at GOA. So, um, and that's exactly right. And, and so they, they backpedaled and they're going to start processing uh, concealed carry applications again or licensed to carry firearms, as we say in PA. Uh, Clinton County is restarting. Green County is going to use the satellite office. I've been in, had discussions with Sheriff Mullen in Allegheny County. I, I, they're considering restarting again. They want to sanitize the office or something like that. 
so uh, and we and DOA also followed up with a letter to all the sheriffs explaining the legal and constitutional <laughs> background of this and how yeah. and how um, very importantly in this time of emergency we're denying people the right to defend themselves at it's a time it's crazy and it, it's critical to do yes so. and and I explained to the sheriffs I talked to some of them and I said look I mean you know um, Say, let's just say, worst case scenario, you know, your deputies get sick or police officers get sick. There aren't a lot of them around. I mm -hmm. said, I mean, we can't rely upon you to, to uh, enforce the law. That falls back on the true sense of the militia. Yep. You know, it's all armed citizens. So I said, we're there to support you in that case. We're backing you up because if you're down to 50% strength or 25% strength, you're going to rely upon the, the citizens of this country to help you. And, and most people get that. Most of the sheriffs I've talked to get that. And uh, so, so um, we, we had some success with that, but it was clearly a no compromise stand right from the start. We're like, this is what the law says. This is what we believe Article 1, Section 21 states. And the other thing we're trying to really uh, stress in all this is there's a bill in the legislature for constitutional carry. Um, so why even have a permit to begin with? Uh, because right. this is a barrier in, in itself, you know. Um, so, if, why do we have to seek government permission for the right to carry firearms? There are 17 states now that are constitutional carry states, and we'd like to make Pennsylvania that. So, if we had that in place, we wouldn't even be talking about yep. you know, sheriff's processing right. licenses to carry firearms. And, and you know, I don't like that name, constitutional carry, because it has nothing to do with the Constitution. Mm -hmm. we, we had that right in advance. The Constitution merely secures that right. So it should be. That's correct. You know, right. We we refer to those rights exist anterior to government. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. And you know, I I would encourage all of our listeners to go out and get yourself a concealed carry permit today. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I've had mine forever. And anybody ever asks for, for ID, that's the one I always produce first. But you should get it because you never know when you're going to need it. You never know why you're going to need it. And even if you're not a gun person, it may come a day when it's going to be required. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, right now. Stop by your local county courthouse. Stop by. You get the application online. <laughs> and, you know, it was real funny. When I just got my last one renewed, they denied renewal of my carry permit because they said, quote, unquote, you had an inappropriate race. What? An inappropriate race. Yeah. When <laughs> it was a box. and I could write in anything I want. I wrote in human. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> they, they did not like that. No, oh. <laughs> not at all. And you know, and, and I'm still going to follow up with that. I just haven't had a chance to get to the courthouse. I guess I do now. Oh, yeah. They let me in. Uh, I don't know. Is anybody in there? Hello, hello. Yeah, they better be. They're issuing permits. <laughs> hey, I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 53 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information with more of Dr. Val Fennell, Pennsylvania Director of the Gun Owners of America. Do you like the Pennsylvania Project? You must! After all, you're listening to it right now! But would you like more? More of the rants, the guests, the fun? Well, you're in luck because by popular demand, we've added even more content! Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show while we continue our air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted and often includes we can't say on the air or shouldn't say on the air. Would you like access to each episode the day it's recorded? Live streams of every show as it happens? 
behind the scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests. All this is now available on PennsylvaniaProject.com. But wait, there's more. Sign up today and you'll also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Anne Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. And that, and how's that for more content? You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to the PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the more fun link at the top of the page and solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today. Hey, Ken Krawczyk here, caster at the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads? You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Fave Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter of a century. Whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania proud, our reputation rests solely on the complete satisfaction. Again, that's Christopher Fave flyfishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawczyk here, and we're back with episode 53 of the Pennsylvania Project, and our guest, Colonel Dr. Val Fennell, Pennsylvania Director of the Gun Owners of America. Still with us? Mr. Val. Dr. Val. Doctor. Uh-huh. Oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> we're back. Welcome back again. Yeah. Yes. Before the break, we were talking about permits, good grief. You shouldn't even have to ask the governor or the government for these sorts of things. I like your idea of the, the confrontational. How many people do you have in Pennsylvania that are members of the GOA? Not enough. Well, it, not <laughs> enough is the right answer, right. I um, like you. We, we, have a, we have a very large 
we have a very large list. We've grown dramatically. Um, I can tell you how many we've added. We've added probably over 11, 12,000 people in the last two or three months. Wow. Uh, a lot of it dealt with our Second Amendment sanctuary ordinance movement that we're moving through the counties. So I've met a lot of people nationwide. We have about 2 million members. Um, so we're, we're growing very rapidly. And we actually, from all these efforts, we actually have uh, quite a few members in each county in Pennsylvania now. So when we turned on that sheriff email, we were able to generate a lot of heat. Uh, in each of those each of those counties that uh, prior to January when we started all the Second Amendment sanctuary stuff we were really not able to do so uh, we've been really blessed with um, with membership growth uh, this is a great state it's a great long history of gun um, you know uh, gun owners and uh, supporters of our right to keep and bear arms so um, and I'm a native Pennsylvanian I knew that was true and I retired from the military it's one of the reasons I came home so uh, yeah, so things are going well in Pennsylvania. We've added a lot, added quite a few people. That's just wonderful. You know, it's, I was going, mm-hmm. I was marveling at the fact that you guys do so much. And just recently, episodes fifty and fifty-one, so just a couple episodes ago, we did all the basics on how individuals can run for public office on their own. We went through. Mm-hmm how to go door-to-door campaigning, how to find volunteers, how to stage a rally, how to talk to the media. And there's still a couple more installments of that. Next one is gonna be how to do the debates, and then there's campaign organization. So we, we got those on the spike. But when I'm listening to you doing this, I mean, I have a favorite saying about government, we have self-government here in America. That means if you wanna see something happen, you have to do it yourself. And it's just great. How, how, long, you yeah. got, how long you guys been around? Since 1975. 1970. That's the year I. That's a year I graduated college. I was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> kids. Uh, Growing kids. up in Israel, actually. Kids yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> now you, you mentioned Second Amendment sanctuaries. What is a Second Amendment sanctuary? Well, um, this is this is another movement that's swept across the country. You know, started a while back in Illinois, I believe, and then expanded out west, largely in response to um, red flag gun confiscation orders, uh, where those ex parte hearings happen, happen, where someone can accuse you of something, go to a judge, you don't have a right to uh, confront your accuser, and the judge writes an order, and someone knocks on your door and takes your firearms away. Uh, so that was sort of the how it exploded, the movement exploded. But what it is is that it's a it's a um, county or a municipality that uh, adopts an ordinance in some places have used resolutions but we favor an ordinance because it has no legal weight and which basically says we're not going to enforce any of these unconstitutional gun laws in our jurisdiction and those things are defined you know in in the ordinance itself things like get the red flag gun confiscation orders gun bans magazine capacity restrictions accessory bans ammunition taxes those those kind of things. It's it's an opportunity for a locality to 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 say enough is enough. And what's really spurred the interest on in Pennsylvania has been our neighbors to the south in Virginia, where something like 95% plus of counties there have become uh, Second Amendment sanctuaries after wow. Governor Blackface, you know, uh, pushed his his gun control agenda in. You know, the ink had not dried on the election results in Virginia in November, and they. The uh, the anti-gun Democrats pre-filed all these draconian gun control bills, 
and it's just been a real fight. And as you know, GOA is headquartered in Springfield, Virginia. I actually used to live there when I was in uh, the military back in the 90s. So uh, I'm familiar, and I found I was one of the founding members of the Virginia Citizens Defense League. I was the first president of VCDL, and uh, so I, I so I I know what's going on. Yeah, I've been trying to follow what's happening there. But Pennsylvanians had foresight; they're seeing what's happening, and uh, they said we don't want this to happen here. And they've they've really taken taken strongly to the Second Amendment sanctuary ordinance movement. But like all things, when I go out and talk to people, I let them know. That's this is not enough. You really have to get involved in protecting your rights, and that means voting for the best candidate to protect your rights. It also means, you know, uh, contacting your elected officials. Yes. And for for too long, you know, gun owners just have not done those things. And now that's kind of a wake up call. Ding 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 ding. Look what's <laughs> going on in Virginia. And people are um, and people are really and I tell them this every time. You got to get involved. You're not registered vote. Register vote. And they're doing it. Oh, oh good luck so, with that. Um, hopefully we yes. And so hopefully we're um, uh, hopefully we are we are ahead of the power curve as we'd say in the military. Um, if if the legislature would happen to flip, um, you know, and and we find ourselves in the same position as Virginia in 2021. God forbid, but if that were to be the case, you know, we have some preparation in yeah. place. Now, you mentioned this mm-hmm. ex parte gatherings where they, you can't go before the judge, and they all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're red flagged and they're taking away your firearms. They yep. can't, yep. can they do that in Pennsylvania? It's my understanding they can't. That That's, that's correct. We do not have uh, a red flag gun confiscation order Thank yet, you. but we do have bills in the legislature. Um, some filed by Democrats, some filed by Republicans, uh-huh. uh, to, to, to do this. And uh, we don't care what party files it. It's wrong. It's wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, it's wrong. You know, and uh, because, uh, you know, this turns due process on its head. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have, a, you have a right to confront your accuser. Um, you know, if, and if you don't have due process, or somebody, and then so, so, what, so here wait. you are, a gun owner, you know, an angry ex- file some uh, some uh, complaint against you, yeah. an ex parte order, yeah. ex parte, your guns are taken away. Now, you, 10 days later, you have the uh, uh, you have the duty to go back to, to try to get your guns back, and it's going to cost you if to hire an attorney, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you up to $10,000. I mean, this is ridiculous. I know. And, you know, you, you may have the right to face your accuser here in Pennsylvania, but that, doesn't, yes. that does not apply to red light cameras. It doesn't apply to these new speed cameras they're putting in. But mm-hmm. don't, get me, uh-huh. don't get me started. I have a question, though. I've always been afraid of getting a gun, a, gun, a gun because I thought that it would be taken away from me if I was in a struggle and used against me. So I'm like, somebody... I guess would be whoever the intruder is or whatever would be at least twice my size. I'm I'm five foot tall and petite and mm-hmm. just take it away from me. Oh, you're tougher than you think. <laughs> you know, it's like I have my stand- maybe I shouldn't get one. <laughs> I have I have my standard answer to this, and Valley mentioned this to you when yeah. we were talking on the phone. Uh, John Lott did a nationwide study, county mm-hmm. level, yeah. and he found that if a woman resists an attacker, she's twice as likely to be seriously injured. But mm-hmm. if she resists, resists with a handgun, she's half as likely to be seriously injured. Yes. Oh, so I from see. that, I deduce that handguns are a girl's best friend. Okay. Why, oh, why didn't you tell me that before? <laughs> I have. I've mentioned this story on the air two, three times already. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, okay. Val, Val, I got a question for you. You mentioned sure. you don't care who the party is that's submitting these things. Do you guys endorse candidates? 
we do endorse candidates. Um, we're, we're GOA is a nonpartisan organization, um, so we 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 endorse candidates. We get, send surveys out. We're in the process of doing that right now, mm-hmm. and then we judge the candidates solely based on their Second Amendment record or, or their you know or you know right to keep and bear arms in Pennsylvania, or Article One, Section Twenty One, yep. their their actual voting record. Or um, you know, and and in combination with, with our survey that we send out, like well, for, for candidates who haven't served in the legislature yet, then it's just really based on the survey. And, and so um, we've endorsed Democrats in some cases, and, and not um, <clears throat> not too many. Too many, uh, as the trend has been, there's not too many pro-gun Democrats left. <laughs> uh, Republicans and also libertarians. Uh-huh. Um, do you, do you know, most I... recently, we endorsed Madge Ture for Philadelphia City Council. Uh, and you know, Madge was my guest here on episode three. He was one of our early arrivals. And also, I have to brag, I am the first third-party candidate to in, be endorsed by the Pennsylvania NRA when mm-hmm. I ran for state rep. Yay. Ah. <laughs> That's a good Very one. Very good. Thank you, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. We are running short on time. It always goes too quickly. There's always more I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about my flying with a firearm, which is always fun. But Val, I want to turn it back over to you. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to make sure that we get in? Uh, yes, one of the key victories that we uh, achieved in the last week, we've had a really busy week, is on March 28th, uh, you know, we had written a letter to the Trump administration asking them to include the firearms industry, which is everybody from the top down to your local gun store, uh, to add them to the essential critical infrastructure list in the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The administration responded to that and added the firearms industry to that list. Now, what that means is during this crisis, this coronavirus crisis, or any future crisis where the state of emergency would be declared, the firearms industry right down to the local gun store is considered essential critical infrastructure. And the states use that federal list. This is how it applies to Pennsylvania. The states use that federal list to uh, decide who's critical and who's not critical. So through those efforts, we were able to maintain access citizens access to purchase firearms locally nice so i wanted to really get that in there that was on march 28th that that so we we had a lot of success with that we had some success with the sheriffs so it's been a really really busy week for us um so i really wanted to make sure everybody understood that how and and states are responding the california backed off because of uh that's saying a lot yeah yeah that's saying a lot exactly Uh, so i wanted to make sure i got that in all right, that's good. You know, episode 24, we had a firearms manufacturer here, and the mm-hmm. guy came in the studio with a fully automatic AR. Oh, was my goodness. foldable. It folds down to, like, one foot, a little bit around. That was impressive. Everybody wanted to hold it. <laughs> Val, that's going to have to do it. This has been fun. It went way too fast. Maybe we'll be able to get you back on again, because I know there's a lot more that we can cover on this. Oh, quite a bit more, and, yes. <laughs> and, and your website. Yeah, it would be www.gunowners.org. You can go there. You can sign up. Go ahead. I was going to just repeat it, gunowners.org. Yes, gunowners.org. Yes, and uh, you can sign up for our email list there for free, or you can join there as well. Sounds great. It's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. My thanks again to my guest, Val Fennell, Pennsylvania Director of the Gun Owners of America. We're going to pause for this information. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Take care. And when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, bad beer. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Margaret, how's it going? 
bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The Infernal Revenue Service? Yep. Call them what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house and scared us half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. Lots of it. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Yep. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out that the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. So they want it all now. Right now! Plus the penalties and the interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an account for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes and all the forms? Yep, and they get passed along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. Gun Owners of America is fighting for your right to keep and bear arms in Pennsylvania and across the nation. GOA's no-compromise approach protected the firearms industry during the coronavirus pandemic and kept local gun stores open. In Pennsylvania, our members pressured sheriffs to start issuing concealed carry permits again during the crisis. A GOA membership gives you the tools to take action to fight for your Second Amendment rights. Our timely action alerts empower you to defend your constitutionally protected rights in Harrisburg and in Washington. All Pennsylvania gun owners need to band together, and there is no better way of doing that than with GOA membership. There hasn't been a more critical time to sign up, folks. Not only is this presidential election year, but Congress and the entire state of House of Representatives are up for re-election. So join the GOA today for only $25. Go to gunowners.org backslash join. That's gunowners.org slash join and become a member for only $25. Once more, gunowners.org slash join. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 53 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's bad beer. And don't blame me for the choice of topic. It was the brainchild of our executive producer, Mark. And he is correct, though. It is certainly something that sticks in every beer drinker's craw. Bad beer. But how do you define that term, bad beer? Long-time listeners know that I have this little weird kink in my brain which sets off alarms every time I hear a relative subjective word go by. Words like bad, good, necessary, fun, or whatever. My first reaction is right out of Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. By what standard? In whose opinion? Well, if you're a teetotaler, for example, then bad beer is good because no one would want to drink it if it's bad. But if you are a cerevisophile then beer is, then bad beer is bad because you won't want to drink it. A cerevisophile, by the way, is somebody who loves beer. That's a new word for me, too. Me, too. That's, that's my executive producer. you got to love the guy. Personally, though, I'm a huge fan of IPAs, 
and IPA stands for India Pale Ale. I love them. My everyday favorite is one of Pennsylvania's own, Trogue's Perpetual IPA out of Harrisburg. But my absolute favorite, another one of Pennsylvania's crown jewels, Cask Conditioned Hop Devil, Victory Hop Devil. And no, they didn't pay for advertising. This is just what I drink, my personal opinion. But bad beer is not just in the eye of the beer holder. It's also in the delivery. You may have noticed in our closing credits, the Pennsylvania Project now has an official bartender, Brooke Smith. She earned that position through the antithesis of bad beer, she, with the best of possible beers, the unasked for beer. That's because after every episode of the Pennsylvania Project, we all head over to the nearest provider of liquid provender, and all we need to do is walk in the door, and Brooke already has two tall mugs in her hand, getting them filled to the brim with Lagunitas IPA for me and my producer, Mark. Mm-hmm. Now that is a fine delivery of beer. If Brooke represents the epitome of fine delivery, then in stark contrast stands the dark, dank depths of bad delivery, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. <laughs> back in episode 25 and 26, I had a back and forth with a PLCB employee who took exception to my suggestion that we privatize the liquor stores. He championed the best part of any monopoly, best in his opinion, of course. He said, quote, in my response, I told him we should privatize the stores, and he said, quote, Basically, you are saying you don't really care about what happens to the employees of the PLCB. That is a shame. The private sector will not pay us the wages we make now. They will not give us the great benefits provided by the state either. Well, there's a good case of bad beer. Heaven forbid we should have a free market in alcohol. Virtually every other state in the union has already banned that communist model. PLCB still follows it. It's a monopolist, a monopolist model that milks dry us Bibulus imbibers. And bibulus is a, another person who loves alcohol. I got all these big words today. Mm. <laughs> but they, obviously that model, that PLCB model has to go. Mm. Just look at all the wonderful benefits it's brought us. Benefits like poor choice. For example, there are beers, wines, and whiskeys that PLCB refuses to stock or recognize. Benefits like high prices. Everybody knows that Delaware has cheaper alcohol than Pennsylvania. And even the police state in New Jersey has a standard case discount on wine of 15%, you don't get any discounts in Pennsylvania. They have benefits like closed state doors on holidays, even ironically, Independence Day, they're closed, where's your independence? And then they closed all the state stores here in Pennsylvania in that misguided response to all the corona nonsense. I can't believe that. How can they think alcohol is (laughs) non-essential? I don't know. To quote Bernie from our Episode 52, quote, these people are on lockdown, and let me stress, that's the time when you really want to tie one on. (laughs) Too much too true, Bernie. He's got a good point of view there. There's so many aspects of bad beer, I was going to do a two-part rant, because there are innumerable tangents on bad beer that Pennsylvania has forced down our throats. Like what Bernie said, also in episode 52, he says, you know what really sticks in my craw? It's all these DUI checkpoints in the local containment zones. Agreed, Bernie. You're adding insult to injury there. I went to great detail of DUI checkpoints in my rant at the end of episode nine because I'm a graduate of the Abington Citizens Police Academy. And I worked, personally worked, DUI checkpoints. Hmm. And you know, eight people were hauled away in irons that night and not one of them was drunk to my eye. Not one. Eight lives ruined. Crazy. I just don't believe it. 
And it's even worse because the FBI says that roving patrols are much more effective than checkpoints, and they catch people who are impaired for other reasons besides drunk driving. So these, these things are just bad. I mean, they, they violate your constitutional rights for due process, like we were talking before. I mean, why do they consider driving at night to be reason for thinking you're drunk? I don't know. And economically, they're bad. There are like 40 or 50 of us working that thing. It costs a lot of money for that. Roving patrols, imagine if all those people were roving instead, who'd they get? Uh, you know, I'm gonna add drunk to that list of subjective, subjective words that people really don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. Talk about bad beer. <laughs> I mean, these DUI checkpoints, they're enough to drive you to drink. And on that bad note, that's gonna have to wrap it up for episode 53 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about the pandemic? What do you think about our guest, Dr. Colonel Val Fennell, about tilting at emergency windmills <laughs> for our bell ringer? What do you think about bad beer? Anything Pennsylvania related? If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there too, as well as on iTunes and a plethora of other podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m., among several other times now. We're getting popular. And in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 on the AM dial every Monday morning at a bleary-eyed 7 a.m. And also every episode is released as a podcast on Tuesdays at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley, marketing guru, Connor Tragotis. Our featured Toastmaster narrator and cohort, Margaret Sassuni. Official bartender, Brooke Smith. Keyboard wizard, Joe the Pag. Radio producer, Mark Bez- oh, <laughs> Brett Kronberger. I'm going backward here. Executive producer, Mark Bazzacco. And me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. <laughs>